Hello, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Caregiver Speak. This is Marjorie Papsteinmetz, your host. Um, today, my guest is Jonathan Braddock, and I'm so excited to have Jonathan here with us today. As always, we want to thank eCare Diary for uh, being the administrative support system of this show, and together, uh, eCare Diary and MyCaregivingCoach.com, um, my website are the two websites where you'll see the archives for this show and for other shows that we've done in the past. So Jonathan Braddock comes to us with a very intriguing and very, very, very important subject. He is an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and he's the founder and CEO of My Life and Wishes. It's um, an educational and digital planning platform that John's developed with a mission to help at least one million families become thoughtfully prepared for the inevitable, their own death. And that's why we've named today's topic for this show, Why Planning for Death Could Save Your Life. And um, Jonathan is going to provide us with a lot of information about how your life can be made so much more easy, useful, calm, less stressful by planning for death now. He believes, and I believe now after having read his book, is that end-of-life planning is so critical, yet most people put it off and rarely discuss it with their family. He takes this subject of death, he makes it approachable, understandable, and yes, even funny. John's been featured on MSNBC, and he regularly contributes to Success.com and Inc.com. He's the author of Advisor and Vendor and Retirees. His latest book, an Amazon bestseller, is titled Click Here When I Die, and I highly recommend this book. We'll be talking a little bit more about it later, and including John's information, how you can reach him. His website is www.mylifeandwishes.com, and like I say, more info later. Welcome, John. Well, thank you so much, Marjorie. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with, uh, with you and your listeners. Well, first of all, one might ask, how in the world did you get into this business and this topic? Um, it had to have been from personal experience. In, indeed it was. Uh, my background is 35 years as a financial planner and in, in working with people with matters of, of life insurance and retirement and all the important things we have that all kind of relate to, you know, ultimately the end of our lives. Yet I had never been through the experience personally of losing someone close. And just about five years ago, my father-in-law, Ted, passed away um, fairly unexpectedly. He lived up the street from us. And my wife, Michelle, and I were left to unravel, uh, you know, the, the remains of his, his life, uh, locate things, and close down all his final affairs. That process took us nearly one year. It was time-consuming uh, and exhaustive, 
and going through that process of trying to track down insurance policies that were in force or not in force and locate uh, his safe deposit box, which is an entire story in and of itself, and gain access to it, as well as tax records, um, proof of ownership documents, deeds. Uh, the other big piece that we were uh, having so much uh, trouble going through was gaining access to uh, all of his accounts, which largely were online. He was an uh, old IBM guy and so he used the computer extensively and trying to get online and track down and close things such as auto drafts and auto pay for his utility bills and other things was a virtual nightmare in going through that process <clears throat> it took nearly a year as i say and his house was less than a mile up the street from us and i can't even imagine had he been out of town or even out of state, and if people have to go through that process. And it was just crazy. And as I say, the first time we had been through the experience. And so talking with other people who would ask, well, how are you guys doing? You know, you're getting things taken care of. And, you know, I'd tell them our, our woes and frustration. And they start sharing their stories. And it was like, wow, you know, we're not the first ones to go through this. In fact, everybody goes through this. And then I had this, this, this epiphany, this, this <laughs> uh, yeah, daunting fear. Um, Michelle and I have six children between us. Uh, at the time, the youngest was 14 and the oldest mid-20s. And we had a business and, you know, attorneys and trusts and wills and insurance policies and lots of online media accounts and bill pay. And I thought if something happened to us, our kids wouldn't have a clue. They wouldn't even know where to begin. They don't know who our attorneys are. They don't know how to access accounts or safe deposit box. And it dawned on me God, how selfish that would be. How would, how would my family feel about me if I'm gone and they're trying to sort through this in their 20s or 30s or 40s or whatever age a person mm -hmm. is simply because I didn't plan, and I didn't tell anybody about it. You know, this is so, and all of us will face this. And, you know, your description, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, oh, yes, I've been through this, and it's daunting. And, you know, you point out in your book, uh, Click Here When I Die, that planning for death today is so much more critical because of the Internet, than it was 30 years ago or even 20 years ago. So um, it's, it's essential. It's part of the essential things in our planning that we just all have to do. Well, you know, it's, it's true. And, you know, I, I grew up in the 60s and, and early 70s. And, you know, uh, dying and organizing things back then was pretty simple. Um, you know, when a person died, um, pretty much uh, family knew. You know, they knew where the bank was. It was up the street. People weren't transient. We didn't move much. We lived in the, the you know, parents were in the house we, we grew up in. They knew who the attorney was. They knew where the funeral home was. They, uh, 
you know, could sort out where the life insurance policies were because, you know, people just kept them in the desk drawer at home. And, exactly. and that was it. And any bill that a person would have that needs to be closed down or an obligation would show up in the mailbox. And I'm not talking about email. I'm talking about exactly. that silver thing right out in front of the house. That's where everything would show up. You know, flash forward to today, you know, the only thing that shows up in my actual mailbox out front is is pizza flyers and a birthday card from my mother once a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, everything else is in my inbox. And so, you know, the next question is, if something happens to me, who's going to find it? How are they going to get into my computer? Do they even know the, you know, my password, my login? And then even if they do and they see the bills come through and I pay those things online, how are they going to link out to the accounts and be able to yeah. log in? Because they don't know my username or password. And even if they do, then they're probably going to get prompted for my challenge questions. And, you know, my kids aren't going to know who my best friend in high school was or right. what the, the make of my first car was. And so, you know, while while back then it was pretty simple and people would say, okay, well, somebody can figure this thing out, um, it was easy. Today, it's not easy. In fact, it's, it's a virtual nightmare. We experienced it with the death of a man in his 80s. I can't even imagine, you know, me in my mid-late 50s, what it would be like for my kids and how time-consuming and frustrating oh, yeah. to sort through it. Well, you know, John, I am one who can't even remember my own passwords, let alone, <laughs> you know, just the other day I was trying to remember a password to get into my own account. So you just multiply this by, you know, 10, 20, 30%, and you you get the kind of dilemma that people could be in. So have you figured out, because we all know this, why is it? Is it just American culture? Is it? Why don't people want to talk about death? My parents never talked with me about death, me and my brother. Um, why, why don't people want to talk about it or plan for it? What is it? Is it well, universal you know, or is it just us here in America? Well, it's a lot of companies. I've got a good friend, uh, countries. I have a good friend down under in Australia and New Zealand, and they don't talk about it down there, you know, but yet a lot of cultures – um, you know, over in the Middle East and, and other places, I mean, death is part of the life cycle and it's, you know, people do talk about it. But, but I think most, uh, you know, first world nations today, we don't, we don't talk about it. And, you know, you probably much like me, there were a few things that weren't talked about growing up. I mean, we were told my, my Nana and my grandfather and my mom and dad, we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about religion and we don't talk about death. It's just things we don't discuss. And yet, flash forward to today, people seem all too happy to discuss politics and religion. Am I right? In fact, Absolutely. Most, people seem, yep. most people are ready to start, you know, a flaming holy war over why they're right and you're wrong. So I guess the only thing left that people don't talk about today is death. Yet it's a certainty. So we must. 
and, and interestingly enough, because it's been a head scratcher, you know, people have been there for three hundred thousand dollars, uh, three hundred thousand years. Um, the evidence is pretty overwhelming. One out of one of us will, in fact, die. And so, we we did a survey about a year and a half ago of baby boomers across the United States, um, of which seventy five million plus of us at this point. And, and we asked numerous questions, but one on the topic was, you know, why don't you plan or talk about it? And I, I'll give you three quick examples. One was people would say, well, I don't have much. You know what? They have a lot more than they think they do. Even if it, if it, if it comes down to, you know, small insurance policies they haven't thought about. You know, I talk about life insurance all the time. I said life insurance is a great tool. People should absolutely have it, but only if you tell someone you have it. Because over a billion dollars in life insurance in the United States has gone unpaid because the beneficiaries didn't know it existed. So even if people think they don't have much, they do. They have stuff, and that stuff yeah. matters. And if you yeah. have family, they're going to fight over who gets it. You know, Susie's going to say, Mom promised me the China. And Mary's going to say, well, you know what? She promised it to me, too. The other one, probably, well, probably my second favorite one, is people say, well, I have time. I'll get to it. It's like, really? Because I don't know when I'm going to die. And this is not like taxes, you know. I have time. I can wait till April 15th if I so choose to file my taxes. Okay, that's the date, certainly. You know, death is not. We don't know, and it's not just for old people. It happens to everybody. In fact, in the United States this morning, over 7,600 people woke up, and they expect that they're going to do the same thing tomorrow. But you know what? They're not going to. We just don't know who they are. Yeah. So we don't have time because we don't know when our number's up. So, So, you know, plan, get it done, and then you don't have to worry about it. And the biggest one. Well, you make some very compelling points, and, you know, for those listeners who say, well, you know, I've got time, but the money thing about how much money is left unclaimed by all kinds of financial instruments um, is something that I think might provide enough impetus to get people to think about, oh, I really should plan. I really should look into this. And so right. all really, really impelling, compelling reasons. Uh, John, that's great. Well, as an an example of things getting left, when when Ted, my father-in-law, passed away, we found a safe deposit box key. And it was an envelope with a bank name that we had never heard of. So we went to the financial institutions that he had banked at, thinking this is where we will probably find a safe deposit box. No. It took us over two weeks of calling chambers of commerce and everything else to actually locate the safe deposit box, and when we finally did and got access to it, we found over 700 IBM stock certificates. Oh, there you go. So, (laughs) Exactly, yes. And and the last one that I think is funny that uh, some people say the reason they don't talk about it or plan, they say, it's bad luck. (laughs) <laughs> which which makes me laugh. It's like, okay, so if we talk about it, it's going to happen. And my only response to that is like, okay, we talk about sex all the time. Yeah, that doesn't make us pregnant. 
right? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, so you know, newsflash, it's it's going to happen. You know, at yeah. some point we're going to die. So yeah, that's a, that is a great takeaway because I've thought about that. You know, well, if I think about it, you know, maybe it's bad luck to think about something or other. But your point is so well taken, especially when you put it in the context of that nice little metaphor, you know, with, mm. with sex in this case. I love it. Right. Well, and, and if I were going to say it to, like, my grandmother, if she were still alive, I would say, well, look, we think about winning the lottery, but that doesn't ever make that happen for us, does it? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, John, the other, you know, impact that you talk about in your book is impact on family and family dynamics. And spend a couple minutes telling us, you know, if you don't plan, it can have so many repercussions on family, whether you're a small or a large family. And just getting all the planning done can smooth the way so much better for all those that you leave behind. Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, sure. You know, when, when when death occurs, there are some normal emotions and some non-normal emotions. The normal emotions are, are obvious. There's sadness and grief, and that's okay. But without planning, there are other emotions that come into play, and that's frustration, confusion, anger, and even divided families, and that's mm-hmm. not okay. And that frustration, confusion, and, and division within families creates uh, a, a terrible burden of time, an enormous amount of stress, not to mention uh, money. So within our survey uh, of those who had experienced the loss of a loved one, where they were involved in having to close out the affairs, 60% of loved ones had to encounter funeral expenses. 32% encountered severe strains and disputes within their families. 27% encountered medical debts and obligations. 26% encountered legal expense. And as you can imagine, you know, you're going to have to hire a lawyer if this stuff's not all laid out and clear for you to, you know, help not only if there's probate issues, but to help locate and track things down. Our estate planning attorney, when I talked to him about our platform when we built this, he said it's crazy the amount of people that come to him and hire him, and literally he has to write letters to every financial institution in you know, the town to find out whether or not you know, Joe Smith had any accounts there. Yeah. Um, and over 25% of people had to uh, take extended amounts of time off of work to handle financial issues. And I know for a fact that in that year process, and Michelle, God bless her, my wife, who, who handled most of it, um, and fortunately we had our own business so she could do so, but she spent you know, probably as much as 50% of her time during the week trying to figure things out. And you know, as, as you say, that's great if you have your, your, your own business or you, know, you don't actually work. But for people who do, you know, the employers are only going to be so compassionate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, this survey is presents 
a lot more compelling evidence. That's amazing, the financial impact on family if planning isn't done. Um, you know, you talk about uh, the new death etiquette, that there is an etiquette to planning. And we all know that etiquette, you know, is about caring for people, making them feel comfortable. We think of etiquette, you know, when, when we invite people over to have a meal and, you know, things that are done as far as making a pretty table and all those kinds of things are a way, an act of kindness. And uh, so you apply this notion, and I just love, in your book you have an etiquette checklist, which we're going to get into in more detail in our next show next month. But do tell us what you're thinking about with etiquette and why you call it the new death etiquette. Well, you know, etiquette in and of itself, as as you clearly stated, is, you know, about manners or doing what's right or being nice. Okay, if if I leave this earth without clearly uh, leaving a roadmap for my family, that's not nice. That creates hardship. That creates burden. Um, and and in my opinion, it, it's simply you know not good manners. Why should I be here on this earth for you know, you know 70, 80, 90, 100 years? And, and get to enjoy everything and then just leave a mess for someone else to figure out. And so when people ask me, well, you know, how do you think about it or death etiquette? My answer is really simple. What do you want experience to be like for your loved ones after you're gone? Do this you want is to really be- amazing amazingly important stuff. Yeah. And so I don't know how much uh, time we have left on today's show. I know we're, uh, you know, have another we're, show next month, which I'm, I'm so pleased about. Um, well, I can I give you actually my Webster's version of death etiquette that I've, I've written, or if you want me to hang on to that till, till next month, I can do that too. You know what? I think... We should, uh, we should leave this hanging. We just have like a minute or two left. And um, I do encourage our listeners to call in again next month on August 14th, a Tuesday, at 2 o'clock Eastern, and when we go into this even more in depth. Um, I, I feel like this topic is perhaps one of the top three things that caregivers need to think about. Um, it is and maybe the number one thing. Um, you know, when we're caregiving, we don't want to think about our loved one's death or about our death or whatever. But, you know, in the vast scheme of things, it's, it's like the topic. So I hope everybody joins us next month for... Uh, we're, we're calling it planning for the ultimate act of love. That is John's title, and I think it's so appropriate. Um, John, thank you so much. Do you have 
a last comment in the, our last 30 seconds for us all. Uh, well, I just want to thank you and thank all your listeners and encourage everyone to um, come back uh, next month. And by the time we speak again and, and, and talk again, hopefully a bunch of your listeners have already started down the path of being thoughtfully prepared. Yes, I, I hope so too. And um, Amazon carries John's book. Again, it is all entitled Click Here When I Die. I heartily recommend it. And his website is www.mylifeandwishes.com. And thank you for that last comment. I would hope so too, that we have listeners who've taken at least a step or two in the planning process. Thanks again, John, and we'll talk to you again next month. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Thanks to our listeners, and everybody have a great afternoon.